Thank you to Arlene and Momoyo, and uh, welcome to our Christmas program this year, and we recognize that uh, I am not the highlight of today's service. There are some much more special and exciting things to come, but before we do all of that with the children and with the choir, it is good for us to take a moment and to consider the meaning of Christmas and what this is all about. Christmas is easily the largest celebration in the world each year. Billions of people gather to celebrate Christmas in all sorts of ways. For example, and I, and I did some research here, in the Philippines, they have a giant lantern festival. These are unique ways that people celebrate Christmas. At the Giant Lantern Festival, everyone in the various villages gathers together to work together and to build an elaborate lantern and then compete against other towns to who has the best Christmas lantern. In Sweden, my far-off country of origin, they build large Christmas goats. I am sure there is a reason for the large Christmas goat. But that is what they do, and I do not know the reason. Iceland, men dress up as trolls to visit the homes and schools and give gifts to the little kids. In Venezuela, they ride roller skates to church on Christmas Eve. In fact, this is such a popular tradition that they close down the streets to cars so that people can safely travel to church on their roller skates or roller blades. Toronto, they celebrate Christmas with a fireworks show known as the Cavalcade of Lights. And in Japan, some of you may know this. What, are the, what is the Christmas tradition in Japan? KFC. That of all of them is the most interesting one to me. But that is true. In Japan, the Christmas tradition is to get a bucket of fried chicken, I guess. And... Uh, and I, have, and I have talked to, I asked Taishi, is that true? He says, every year, KFC, that's what they do. And here in America, we have all, all sorts of traditions as well, right? We decorate our homes with lights and a tree. We send out greeting cards and buy gifts. We go to Christmas uh, parties and attend Christmas services at church. We sing Christmas songs, watch Christmas TV specials and travel long distances to be with our family and friends. And so, and so this morning I want to ask you an honest question. Why? Why do we do all of this? What's the big deal? We don't do all of that for these other holidays. And this, and this year at, at uh, church and at WCCC, we have been celebrating Christmas with the theme of Christmas unwrapped. And so this morning we get to the most basic of unwrapping the meaning of Christmas questions. What's the big deal? Why all the fuss around this one holiday? There are a couple verses in the first part of Matthew that help us answer that question. Matthew 1, and 23 reads this way. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's pray. Father God, now as we take a few minutes to turn our attention to these words, 
from Scripture. We pray that you would speak to us. Each of us come this morning from a different place. Some of us may be here every week and we have heard these stories and heard these things said a million times. And some of us, it may be brand new. But God, we ask that no matter where we are at, that you would come and that you would speak to us each individually. And may the word that you have for us today be able to sink into not only our minds, but into our hearts as well. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a kid, I grew up in literally no man's land. I was out in the country where we were a long ways from anything. And so once a year, and I think I've told some of you this before, once a year we would have a Christmas shopping day. And we'd have to drive two hours to get to the nearest mall. But my mom and my dad and my brother and I, we'd all get in the car and we'd make our way to the mall and we would be there until they closed the doors that night. All the Christmas shopping was going to get done in one day. Now, my mom and dad separated, split, uh, just to be efficient for the day. And uh, so my mom went her way and went through all the malls or all the stores and my dad went his way. Now, I say they they, uh, split to be more efficient, but in reality it was that my dad did not have the patience to follow my mom around all day. Now, mom is a comparison shopper. She will go from one store to the next and want to look at everything, and then she'll buy something and return it before she goes home at the end of the day. And dad is the exact opposite. Yeah, that looks good. Let's buy it. 30 minutes, he's done. Mom is going in and out of stores all day. And so, obviously, I'm going to be with either mom or dad. Dad is the more fun choice. Because what dad does is he gets done really quick, and then he finds a bench in the middle of the mall, and he basically makes silly observations about people all day. (laughs) That little boy has his shoes on the wrong foot. That lady with her hair cut like that, it kind of looks like our dog at home, doesn't she? That little, that man must have got dressed in the dark this morning. His socks don't match. And so we go through all of these things, and I would want to sit there and sit on the bench with my dad, but sometimes that wasn't an option. Sometimes mom said, you have to come with me and try on 50 pairs of jeans. And inevitably, in the midst of trying on 50 pairs of jeans, I begin to daydream. My mind gets lost. This is as boring as it can get uh, to me. And I remember one time daydreaming and in my own little world, and all of a sudden I come to, I come out of my daydreaming days, and I realize I have no idea where my mom is right now. And as a little boy, I'm looking around all the shelves and looking around the racks of clothes, and, Mom, where are you? And pretty soon I realize Mom is nowhere around, and I begin to panic, and I'm yelling, Mom, where are you? And someone comes alongside of me and brings me to the front, but in the midst of all the people, a busy mall, I have this sinking feeling that I was all alone. All alone. That's a scary thought for any child. In fact, that's a scary thought for 
anyone no matter how old they are. Now, we may think all I need this time of year is an, an, an all-alone moment. I just need some peace and quiet. But the reality is to really feel all alone in life is a terrible feeling. The feelings of fear and sadness around the idea of being alone are actually quite natural, though. Because God has created us to be in relationship with others. He has hardwired us to be in relationship. And this is an important point to this sermon. Being alone is a scary thought because God made us to be in relationship. Both with other people and with himself. People spend a lot of time investing in relationships. We will do this a lot in the next couple weeks. We'll uh, travel to visit family and friends. We'll attend holiday parties. But very few people actually take the time to really think about their relationship with God. Our daily lives get so full of appointments and responsibilities that we can easily live with no conscious awareness of God in us or around us. And yet our relationship with God is crucial. It is crucial to living a full, significant, and satisfying life. St. Augustine, who lived in the 5th century, gives us some ancient wisdom that still holds true in our contemporary world. He said in a prayer to God, You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. You see, I look around at all the chasing after things in this world today. Chasing after money and power and wealth, success, happiness, popularity, and status. And it is no wonder that we have so many problems. Deep down inside, people are longing for something. But they are looking for their satisfaction in all the wrong places. As Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, God. The Bible puts it this way, Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? The soul, the soul, the soul that the psalmist is talking about here is the deepest part of a person where the deep longings and desires within us are stored, where everything important to us is organized and tied together so that it is from our souls that we try to make sense out of the world. It is from the soul that comes the desire to make a difference with our lives. The psalmist says that his soul is panting for God as a deer pants for streams of water. And then he goes on to say, When can I go and meet with God? He knows that his soul will only be satisfied when it is finally in the presence of God. And so let us pause for a moment this morning in the midst of this busy Christmas season to point out that what the psalmist says from 2,500 years ago is still true for each of us. In the midst of gifts and holiday bonuses and sugar cookies and laughs with family and friends, the only thing that will truly satisfy 
the deep longings of our souls is to know God and to be in relationship with him. You see, this is why the words that we read from Matthew are so important for understanding Christmas. So let me just read them real quick again. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child, and he will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. It speaks of a relationship. Those three little words, God with us, is the comforting, is comforting, soul-satisfying news. In fact, the idea of God being with us, having a relationship with him, is the most comforting and soul-satisfying news we could ever receive. When I got lost in that mall as a little kid, I still remember the, those feelings of sadness and fear that I was all alone. But I also remember the feelings of joy when I did see my mom. As I said, someone had brought me to the front and made an announcement on the intercom that there was a little boy looking for his mom. And eventually my mom came to get me and I made that sprint towards her arms and embraced her. And I remember the joy that I felt in that moment just to know that I had been found. I had so much joy, I didn't complain for the rest of the day about having to try on 50 pairs of blue jeans. Just kidding. I still probably complained. <laughs> I hated shopping. I still hate shopping, to be honest with you. But, the, but in a spiritual sense, when we are found by God, our souls are filled with such deep Uh, gladness deep down inside. We are finally able to find the satisfaction that we are longing for. The idea of Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us, is a wonderful Christmas theme. We can grasp the idea of how God is with his people in the person of Jesus, that baby born in a manger. But what about now? Obviously, Jesus is not with us in the physical sense that he was when he was on this earth. We can't go and greet him after the service, shake, him, shake his hand, look him in the eye, and wish him Merry, Christ, Merry Christmas. So does this still, this idea of Emmanuel, have any application to us now? Well, I think it does. If you jump with me all the way to the end of the book of Matthew, we started in 1, now go to chapter 28. And read the very last words of the book. In fact, these are the very last words of Jesus before he leaves this earth as a physical person. Before he ascends into heaven, these are the last words that he says. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There's the Emmanuel idea again. God with us, Jesus with us. It doesn't use the word Emmanuel, but the truth is crystal clear. Jesus says he will be with us always to the very end of the age. And so Matthew bookends his gospel with the Emmanuel thought. God with us in Jesus' birth, and now Jesus with us until the end of history. Now, the obvious question to ask is, how? If he is not here physically with us, 
How is he still Emmanuel to us, God with us? Well, the very simple answer is he is with us through his spirit. Through the Holy Spirit that comes to live in the soul of every person who gives his or her life to Jesus. You see, we've already noted that it is in our souls which, which long for a relationship with God. And that is exactly where Jesus shows up. He comes to live deep in the hearts and the souls of everyone who places their faith in him. This truth means that God with us is not just a nice thought for first century Palestinian Jews like Mary and Joseph or the shepherds to whom the angels appeared. It is good news for each of us today in 2018. This is good news for us because we long for the presence of God deep down within our souls. Now again, let me just emphasize that this is not just some warm and fuzzy thought to put us in the Christmas spirit. This reality of God with us now can change our entire lives. It can change the whole perspective of how we see everything around us. Consider with me for a moment before I close this message a few ways in which the Emmanuel theme has a deep and lasting significant impact in our lives. First of all, Jesus with us means that he notices you and cares for you. We live in a world where everyone is very, very preoccupied with himself or herself, and everyone is focused on how they might get ahead. And in the midst of this, it feels so special just to be noticed by someone, especially someone that you look up to or who is important. And now think about this for a moment. Jesus, the creator of the universe, your personal creator, looks upon you and notices the things within you. Your hopes and dreams, your fears and concerns, your joys and struggles, and he cares for you tremendously. You see, that's not just some thought that makes us feel good inside. That actually can change our lives. To know that God looks upon us and he loves us is the most wonderful truth that we could receive. And this can only actually really be experienced when God lives within you. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. Jesus with us means that he comforts you in your grief. There's a verse in the Bible that speaks of the peace of God, and it says that we can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. That verse is found in Philippians 4, 6. And I oftentimes think of that verse when I'm with someone who is grieving. God, give them the peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, if you go back to that verse in Philippians 4, 6, and then just back up three words into verse 5, the three words that come immediately before this are, God is near. This is another benefit of, the, of God with us. 
His presence in us can give us comfort when we are hurting, when we are grieving. A peace that goes beyond human understanding. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. Jesus with us means that he teaches and guides your life. We're faced every day with decisions. Sometimes those decisions are very difficult. And maybe you're faced with one of those right now where you don't know what to do. You honestly don't know what would be best. And in the face of the toughest decisions, if I am able to quiet myself, I can also oftentimes sense the spirit within me and how he's leading and guiding and directing me. 95% of what we need to know is found here in the Bible and in the teaching of God's word. But there are other decisions that are hard to make, decisions about our family, decisions about who to marry or what career to have or, or whether to make a career change, how to raise our kids, where to get an education. And God, in his sovereignty, oftentimes gives us the freedom to choose whatever we think to be best at the time. But it does give us peace of mind to know that we have someone with us, the Holy Spirit in us, to help us discern what is the best path to take. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. Jesus with us means that he rebukes your sin, but still loves you and forgives you. (coughs) Now I recognize right away that that idea of God rebuking us in our sin is the exact reason that people don't want God in their life. They don't want God telling them what to do. They don't want God telling them that they are wrong. But that actually is a very skewed way of thinking of God's correction. Because that assumes that God is somehow trying to rob us of something that is good. That somehow doing wrong would be better or lead to more fun or more pleasure than to living according to God's will. And let me make something very, very clear this morning. God is no killjoy. He actually wants the very best life possible for us. And that is why he directs us into certain things. That is why he leads us away from things that will actually harm us and rob us of what he has best for us. His ways are first class. His ways lead to the best life possible. All other ways are second class. My wife, Chelsea, when our kids were really young, she had them memorize the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so every night we kind of say these things with the kids. And whenever I say these, these words just sound so attractive to me. Would not a life of love and joy and peace and patience and and all of these things be a very good life to live? It is surely better than its opposites. A life that is full of hatred, a life that is full of sadness and unrest, impatience, unkindness, mean-spiritedness, and a lack of self-control. It is a blessing of God to rebuke us and to correct us. He is guiding us into his ways which are, which are best for us. But when we do mess up, and we inevitably will, he forgives our sins. 
And not only does he forgive our sins, but he washes away all guilt and shame as well. God in us frees us from sin, guilt, and shame. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. Jesus with us means that he calls you to a life of significance. Most people are living in either survival mode or pursuing, or pursuing success. And Jesus calls us to something more. He calls us to a life of significance. Life comes in three forms. Survival, success, or significance. And the only way that our lives matter for anything longer than a generation or two after us is if God is working in us and through us. God in us helps us to fix our hearts and our minds beyond ourselves, beyond survival or success, and to the things that have real significance, things that will last for all eternity. Earthly things will pass away, but the things of God will last forever. Things done with God's help, with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, can make a difference in someone's life for all eternity. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. And last one, Jesus with us means that he will stay with you forever. Jesus in us means that we can live every day while on this earth, and then every day after we exit this earth with Jesus in heaven. The assurance of spending eternity with Jesus is a huge blessing. And so before I close the message today, I would like you to ponder this question. Do you have confidence to know for sure that if you were to die today, you would spend eternity with God? The only way that you can know the answer to that question for sure is if Jesus is in you now. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. The way to receive him in is very simple. It simply starts by asking him to come into your life. It's like a Christmas gift. You have to unwrap it. God, offering us the, God offers us the gift of salvation, but he will not force us to open it or to unwrap it. We receive it when we invite him into our lives. Then, with Jesus in our lives, we live every day by faith, with the Holy Spirit in us, guiding our lives and filling us with his love. And so now, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. In fact, I'm going to ask us all to bow our head and close our eyes. In this prayer that I'm going to pray, I specifically have in mind those that would like to receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord today. There are some of you who have come into this place today and you know deep down inside that you don't have your relationship with God right. And I just want to offer you this, not as a challenge, but as an invitation to receive the gift of salvation. 
This is really a precious gift. It leads to the best life possible. It leads to a life that is lived with Jesus, and that is so beneficial. Not only just for the life to come, but for the life right now. That we can live with God in us and filling us with his love and joy and peace in all of these things. So if that's your desire, I invite you to repeat in the quietness of your own heart these words. Dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus so that I can have a relationship with you. Thank you for loving me. And I realize I need a Savior to set me free from sin, from myself, and from all that habits, hurts, and hang-ups that mess up my life. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to repent and live the way you created me to live. Be the Lord of my life and save me from my sins by your grace. I want to learn to love you, trust you, and become what you have made me to be. Thank you for creating me and choosing me to be a part of your family. Right now, by faith, I accept the gift of your Son. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live the rest of my life on this earth and then for all eternity with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.